Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ready for Retirement. I'm your host, James Canole. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about how you should think about investing your bridge account. Now, the way that you invest, that is going to determine your success or your lack of success throughout your retirement years. But when it comes to investing, it's not just about knowing what the right investments are. It's about also making sure the right investments are in the right account. And today, the specific account we're going to be talking about is that bridge account, which I'll dive into in just a second. But before I do so, this episode is prompted by a listener question. This listener, his name is Rob, and Rob says this. He says, hi, James. I'm a big fan of your podcast, and I truly appreciate the goldmine of info you share in every episode. I have a question about early retirement. If I have a pension that kicks in at age 55, but I plan to retire at age 45, what would be a safe withdrawal rate on my bridge account? I'm currently 35 and saving quite aggressively. I'm making monthly contributions to an after-tax account, as well as a 403B and a Roth IRA. How should I approach my bridge account knowing that it will be my only source of income for 10 years? Are there other factors I should consider leading up to that point? Thank you so much for your help and insight. Sincerely, Rob. Well, Rob, thank you for that question. And there are other factors that I do recommend considering leading up to that point. To start, though, let's break down what a bridge account is. So for those of you listening saying, what on earth is a bridge account? I've heard of an IRA. I've heard of a Roth IRA. I've heard of a brokerage account. Do I literally go to TD Ameritrade or Charles Schwab or whatever my custodian is and choose bridge account for the type of an account that I want to set up? No. A bridge account is just a taxable account. So this could be an individual account. This could be a joint account. This could be a trust account. Really what it is, is it's a taxable account that you're going to use to live on before you have full access to your retirement funds at age 59 and a half. So if you're planning on working through the age of 59 and a half, a bridge fund is kind of irrelevant. You would still have a taxable account, but you would treat it in a different way. And the sole purpose of this fund is, for Rob's example, if he's retiring at 45 and won't have any income until 55 when his pension kicks in, well, he can't take money from his 403B. He could potentially take his principal back from his Roth IRA, but he can't touch those funds without a lot of limitations. So he has a bridge account and says, okay, I'm going to stockpile money in this account so that from 45 to 55, I can live on this, which allows my Roth, my 403B time to continue to grow. And it gives me that bridge between age 45 and 55 to when my pension kicks in. So here's the biggest thing that I typically recommend people to consider at this point. One is, of course, how much do you have there? You know, do you have enough in that account to fully fund those 10 years? It's not going to come down to a traditional withdrawal rate in the sense that it would in retirement. When we talk about you can withdraw 4% or 5% or 5.5%, it's going to be looked at in a slightly different way. And I'll circle back to that. But the big thing I like to talk about with bridge accounts is the asset allocation piece. Now, here's what I mean by that. Asset allocation is the types of investments that you own. Those investments shouldn't all be owned in the exact same account over and over and over again, except for certain cases. So with this, you want to make sure that you're owning the right assets and the right account. Now, here's the thing. A lot of people are probably thinking, oh, yes, James, you've talked about this. This is the concept of asset location. It's the importance of owning the right investments in the right accounts for tax purposes. 
Well, that is true, but that's not quite what we're going to be talking about today. What we're going to be talking about today is a little different and even contradicts asset location in a way. So let's take a step back. What is asset location? Asset location is owning the right investments in the right accounts for tax purposes. For example, maybe you have a portfolio that has short-term bonds and you have a portfolio of growth stocks. Well, short-term bonds, those pay interest and interest is taxed at ordinary income rates. Versus growth stocks, they're typically not paying a lot of dividends, if anything at all, and the only taxes you pay is on capital appreciation, and that's only when you sell. So in this case, it would look at this and say, well, growth stocks are more tax efficient, so put them in the taxable accounts, because you'd rather pay taxes on that in an account where it's more tax efficient, or with an asset that's more tax efficient, and you'd put the short-term bonds into the Roth IRA or the 403B if you're just looking at asset allocation from what maximizes the tax efficiency of what you're doing. Now, that's not the right approach. I recorded a podcast recently on this, but in general, that's how people typically start by looking at asset location. Now, when we look at that, let's play this out. I don't know what Rob's portfolio looks like. He didn't mention the details in the question, but let's just assume for simple math, it's a million dollars. And let's assume that Rob needs $50,000 per year from his portfolio from age 45 until 55, which is when his pension kicks in, and then he would maybe need something from his portfolio at that point, but a much lesser amount. Well, let's also assume that he has exactly $500,000 in his bridge account, and he has exactly $500,000 combined between his Roth IRA and his 403B. Well, on paper, the basic math tells us this could probably work. He wants 50000 per year from his bridge account. He needs that for 10 years. So if we look at his total need from his bridge account, it's 50000 times 10. That equals $500,000. So we say, great, you have $500,000 in your bridge account. That's the amount that you would need from 45 to 55. All looks good. Well, let's take it a step further. What if Rob's looking at this and he says, you know what? I'm really going to dial this in using asset location principles as my, my North Star here, as my, guard, my guiding principle. Well, let's make up an asset allocation for Rob. Let's assume that he says, you know what? I do want exactly 50% growth stocks and exactly 50% short-term bonds because that's the asset allocation that's going to best meet my goals. And because he's using asset location as his guiding principle here, he would say, you know what? It makes sense for me to put the short-term bonds into my 403B and my Roth IRA because those are going to be taxed at a higher level. So I'm going to put those in the tax-deferred or tax-free accounts. And I'm going to put the growth stocks into my bridge account, into my taxable account, because it's much more tax efficient to do so. Well, how would that have performed year to date? As of this recording, growth stocks are down about 30%. That's after they were down closer to 35% just a couple weeks ago. So if we look at this, now his bridge account that started at $500,000 on January 1st, now it's down closer to about $350,000. Well, what do you do now? Well, if you take a look at the fact that it took the NASDAQ about 14 years to recover after it hit the dot-com bubble highs in 2000, do you wait 14 years trying to recover? Well, he doesn't have 14 years. He has 10. By the time that he retires, he needs that money to last him for 10 years. And really, if growth stocks stay flat at this point, then he only has seven years. I say seven because he now only has 350000 in that account, which only represents seven years of living expenses at $50,000 per year. And now, of course, with investing, you don't really lose money until you sell. You don't lock in a loss until you sell. But this is a circumstance that could force him to sell if he's living on those funds. So this is an area where asset location, if you just look at it in a vacuum, could absolutely steer you wrong. If you're saying, okay, I'm going to own the tax-efficient stuff in my bridge account, 
but the bridge account is the account I need to be living on today and next year and the year after. Well, what you've essentially done is you've taken an asset, which is a stock that's more tax efficient, and you've put it into something that you need, but you don't have the time horizon to be able to let that asset play out and get the growth that you can count on if you have a long enough time horizon. So that's the thing people need to be really careful with when they approach things through the lens of what's going to be the most tax efficient asset in the right account. You absolutely want to look at that. But if you look at that at the expense of prioritizing asset location and the time horizon that you have, you may end up costing yourself way more money and losses than you saved in tax efficiency. Because when we're looking at something like a bridge account, you have a very definite amount of time that you need those funds to last for. It's kind of like looking at uh, college savings. Okay, if you're saving in a 529 plan or saving for college, it's not like if a market drops, you can just hold off on withdrawing those funds. You need those for freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, senior year. There's not really a lot of flexibility you have with just being able to hold off on that. Same thing is kind of true with a bridge account, depending on the time frame you need it to last for. And this is simple when you look at it. You, you ask yourself the question, how would you invest if you had 20 years until you needed this money? Well, if I had 20 years until I needed money that I'm investing today, I can afford to take a lot more risk with that in terms of accepting a lot more short-term volatility in exchange for more long-term growth because I have time on my side and I know there will be some pretty big downturns between now and that 20-year time period. But I also know I've got 20 years. I can let that money continue to grow for me. Versus how would you invest if you had one year until you needed that money? Well, if I needed money in one year, if I just look at the S&P 500, about three out of four years, it's a positive outcome, and one out of four years, it goes down in value. Well, do I really want to have a 25% risk or 25% chance of losing money? Because again, you don't lose money unless you sell, but if you have a short time horizon and you're forced to sell because you need that money, that's a real risk. That would cause a real loss of principal because you had to sell the funds. So you'd want a more conservative investment for a shorter time period. Well, let's look at it this way. A bridge fund is kind of just like a combination of a one-year time period, a two-year time period, a three-year time period, a four-year time period, all the way out to whatever length you need that to last for. Now, in Rob's case, he needs it for 10. Typically, I see these funds need to last for more like five, six years or so, but it's different based upon when people are retiring. The difference here is with the retirement portfolio, you're not literally going, okay, what do I need for year one of retirement, year two of retirement, year three of retirement, all the way through year 30 of retirement, 31 of retirement. You are putting assets in place that you don't know what's going to happen in the short term, but you're giving yourself options. You're giving yourself options knowing some of the assets that you're investing in day one of retirement, they might drop right when you retire and they might take eight, nine, 10 years to recover in a really, really long bear market for that specific asset class. Now, even though that's not ideal, that's still okay for your retirement portfolio because again, you need this to last for 20, 30 plus years. That's not okay for a bridge fund that needs to last for five to 10 years. So I wouldn't look at it from the standpoint of what's a good withdrawal rate that I could take from my bridge account as much as what should my year one money be invested in? At this point, you could do something like a CD for 12 months, paying 4% interest or more. What does my year two money look like? Maybe same thing, maybe a two-year CD paying four and a quarter percent interest, which if you hear me talk, usually I'm very against things that are going to lose purchasing power over time. I would never suggest that for your long-term money because yes, you're getting a decent interest rate on it, but you're almost certain to lose out to inflation over time. But 
when we're looking at a short time period, we need to know we can count on those funds. So how do you stack each year and almost have a chunk of your bridge fund that's allocated towards each year of withdrawals? I would encourage people to look at it more that way as opposed to, can I take out 8% per year for withdrawal? Can I take out 12% per year for withdrawal? It totally depends on how you're invested, how long that bridge account needs to last for, and a couple other variables as well. So as we look back on all of this, what are the principles that you can take away from this? Number one, I recommend that people don't plan for as much growth from their bridge account. Now, the longer they have for their bridge account to last, the more growth they'll need, but also the more years they have so they can let certain asset classes play out over that time. But a general principle is don't plan for as much growth in your bridge account. Number two, the second implication is understand that the benefits of asset location are real. Rob, I know that wasn't really part of your question, but it's one of the biggest things I see when people come to me and they want to retire early. They have kind of a separate stock account and they say, look, I've got several hundred thousand dollars in a stock account and I need this to last me for five or six years. And I point out to them, yes, that's very tax efficient. It's a stock account, but that could easily drop 30, 40% in value. So we need to make some changes if we want this bridge account to be reliable. So understand the benefits of asset locution are real, which would typically mean putting more stocks in brokerage accounts, putting more of the bonds or other assets in your tax deferred or tax free accounts. But those benefits are relatively minor compared to the damage that could be done if you prioritize asset location over prioritizing an asset allocation that aligns with your time horizon. And then number three, the third implication is I recommend not looking at a withdrawal rate from a bridge account. Don't look at it and say, okay, I have $500,000, I can take 8, 9, 10% out for 10 years. Instead, align assets with liabilities, liabilities being your expenses. How can you take a part of that bridge account and understand, can I put this into something that's really conservative, that's going to be there for me and give me year one of living expenses? Do the same thing for year two, year three, year four. It doesn't necessarily mean you need an exact different investment for every single year, But when you frame it that way and when you start to understand how different investments from conservative to aggressive grow, not just grow, but what's the range of potential outcomes you could expect from them in one year, three years, five years, 10 years, and kind of eliminate the possibility of a really negative outcome, that's the way that I would look at it. So I hope that was helpful. Rob, thank you very much for your question. Thank you for everyone that's listening, and I'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ready for Retirement podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let me know by leaving a five-star review. And as always, for a list of the notes and the resources mentioned in today's episode, you can find those at the Ready for Retirement website, which is readyforretirement.co. That's readyforretirement.co. And if you have a question that you would like for me to answer in a future episode, then you can also go to the Ready for Retirement website, readyforretirement.co. There's a page called Submit Your Question where you can submit a question for me to answer in a future episode. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hey everyone, it's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only.